Can you believe we're already a few weeks into autumn? It is grey and rainy where I am in Toowoomba, and I am not handling it. Plus, I don't know whether I can get away with a denim jacket. It's just not my look. Hey, I'm Nick Stewart. This is Off Air Podcast, where myself and my good friend Tim Rubin, both of us have years and years of experience in the media, entertainment, TV, radio industry. We break down three stories we think you should be hearing about this week. We wanted to get your thoughts. Please, if you haven't yet, jump into Off Air Podcast Community. It is a private group on Facebook. It's sort of where we pick your brain about the issues we're going to discuss. And we had some amazing comments around the Prime Minister's statement off the back of the March for Justice that happened on Monday. They're fantastic comments, uh, and it's a real shame that we've reached this point. Tim brings up deep fakes. Again, and whether we need to be more concerned about them or less concerned about them, I'm still not 100% sold, but he makes some very good points. And in the last story, we talk about the end of JobKeeper. It finishes up on the 27th of March. Which companies have made a fortune off it? And whether this is going to spell a giant financial collapse for Australia, always enjoy and appreciate your listening and always enjoy your comments and feedback. What is our mandate? Tim Rubin. It's super creepy to reanimate somebody's dead father for their birthday. Nick Stewart. I really leaned into trying to get radicalised by ISIS. You're listening to Off Air. I believe it's this. Tim, how are you this week? I'm good, Nick, but I don't want to talk about me today. I want to talk about you. Because uh, we had you called me last night and uh, we had just made dinner and I didn't have time to talk to you. But you called me with a real dilemma and I want to get to the bottom of it because I care about you, Nick. I hope that you're okay. What's going on? What did you do? We haven't caught up since last night when you called. Well, I know. And very quickly, Off Air is turning into a Brazilian jiu-jitsu podcast. Uh, but I, I needed to call someone because my fiance Jazz is away. I was driving home. I'd done a training session and I'd got kneed very strongly in the groin. And uh, I thought I might have ruptured a testicle. I was feeling around there and it, it, it's, it's, I think it'll be okay. There was no swelling. <laughs> but I, was, I, I don't understand why I'm getting so much more hurt doing this martial art than you are. I send you photos every second day with my hands all destroyed. Because you're soft. Because you're soft, <laughs> mate. Is you, but, so we spoke for like a minute and then I had to go. And um, the difficulty with a testicle injury is you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. It goes no. zero to a hundred. It's not like if you sprain your ankle, you do rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. You can't do no, anything. No, you can't. And do I was anything. saying, and like, it's not like with a finger. If you jar a finger, you can strap it to the other one. I didn't think <laughs> that, that was advisable. No, either. you either either it just sorts itself out, or you go to the hospital. So where I are we? D- no, I'll be fine. I've I've decided I've just gotten one of Jazz's headbands and I've just done a bunch of knots around the bottom and I'm just going to castrate myself and let it fall <laughs> off of like you do with a cow or a dog. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I don't know why, why you're getting more hurt. We both started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu kind of at the same time. Um, mm. h- how are you going? You get you feeling good other, other than your testicle injury? Uh, I think it's a really fun learning experience. I think you're constantly learning. And, and I think it teaches you that, uh, you, 
failure is just a concept mm. and that it's at failure is an opportunity to learn. And I think that that's a really valuable lesson in life. I actually, uh, just to make you feel better, I also had a slight testicle injury from BJJ <laughs> because I was doing a class and we were doing arm bars, which is if you haven't, um, it's when you kind of put your legs over someone's body and hold their arm and pull it back so that they have mm. to tap. Um, and the coach was like, Hey Tim, just so you know, um, it actually works better if you pull that arm back uh, across, like your pelvic bone, like to the left or to the right. At the moment, you're putting everybody's arm in your in your dick. Um, yeah, and I was like, okay, I'm sorry, everybody. Unadvisable. It's a very very intimate sport. Mm. Uh, you I get ho- very close to. I people. hope that one day we can be in the same city and we can go to a class together. I don't know. You sound like a psychopath. You told me you rammed your uh, fist into someone's no, throat. No, I used I used my forearm to make them tap. <laughs> I just not allowed. I don't know what the rules are. Okay, <laughs> enough of our BJJ chat. Are you ready? Should we get started? Yeah, let's do it. Story number one. Tim, a really, really powerful moment for thousands of people across the country. Tens of thousands of people across the country on. Monday with the March for Justice going ahead in uh, a whole number of cities, including a large number of regional cities. Uh, It was organized by a group of women that were uh, incredibly upset by the government's current response, uh, especially off the back of International Women's Day, to uh, the number of serious sexual assault and rape allegations currently engulfing Parliament House. Uh, and and it was an amazing moment. Australian of the Year, uh, Grace Tame spoke. Uh, Brittany Higgins spoke powerfully. But it was the Prime Minister's comments that caught everyone off mm. guard. Today, here and in many cities across our country, women and men are gathering together in rallies, both large and small, to call for change and to act against violence directed towards women. Not far from here, such marches even now are being met with bullets, but not here in this country, Mr. Speaker. Not here in this country. Yeah, he's got to wait. Do you reckon he ran that one past Jenny? Or do you reckon he just <laughs> he just went fast and loose on that one? I think. He- I assumed he would have gotten uh, some sort of help from his hundred and sixty thousand dollar a year empathy advisor when making those comments. Yeah. It, look, it was wild, uh, and we're both men, Tim. It's something we spoke about ad nauseum. We're both straight white men, cis men. Uh, but there were some amazing comments in the off-air, uh, off-air community group off us, on Facebook. Off-air podcast community Facebook group. Whatever it's a it real is, mouthful. What about the Facebook group that we have? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I just wanted to share some of those uh, from some of the women that contributed. Zoe said, his comments make me feel sick to my stomach, but at the same time, I'm not at all surprised. I feel less safe than ever after hearing his commentary. She said, unfortunately, she couldn't attend the local vigil rally. Uh, due to other commitments. However, she had a friend who attended with her mother and her baby daughter, meaning three generations of women were saying enough is enough. Kate said, I don't understand why he made that statement or didn't follow it up with another. He has daughters. He has a wife, which we, which we know well, because that's who told him rape was bad. That's how he uh, understands the world. Yep. Exactly. Uh, she goes on to say, why is it so complicated to understand that women don't still feel safe in this country? Emma made a really good point. She said a lot of serial killers and abusers often make a point of letting their victims know that they have the control to end their victims' lives if they want to. I thought that was very telling off the back of the Mm. Prime Minister's comments. Uh, Now, TMNE, 
I, I'm afraid. I think that that's probably a pseudonym or a, a secondary name. She said, I found the comments very offensive. Are we meant to be grateful that we aren't being shot at? Are we meant to feel guilty because we are protesting against something as frivolous as equality and personal safety when others are protesting for democracy? That he couldn't come and meet the protesters is cowardly. Of course, he would have been expecting a negative reception, but surely he's man enough to handle it. I couldn't protest myself as I couldn't get off work, but I wore black in solidarity and was thinking about it. And Letitia said it was so hurtful to hear. What would ever make women want to report their experiences when this is how our own prime minister reacts to the topic? So disgraceful. Also worth pointing out uh, that the minister for women didn't attend as well as the prime minister. They did give them the opportunity to meet them in private. Uh, The organisers of the rally said, no, we'd much rather hear your comments in public and for you to address all the people that are showing. This is, look, this is not a black and white issue to me. This is really simple. Mm. It's just women asking for equality and to feel safe Mm. in their community. I don't know how this became a politicised event, Tim. Yeah, and and what's really interesting to me is that um, the PM has really dug his heels in on this. So I'm not sure if you saw, but in the news today, Anthony Albanese, the leader of the opposition, actually called him out in Parliament on his words that he used about um, in, in other countries near and far people facing bullets when they protest. And that was mentioned in Parliament. Um, and Scott Morrison basically had a little tantrum and like had a massive go at, uh, at Anthony Albanese saying how off topic that was, how it's just slanderous, yada, yada, yada. It's so interesting that they are just not willing to budge an inch. And it's crazy to me when we're talking about something that affects, I mean, well, it affects everybody. It affects yeah. every single person. Um, and if, if, somebody is uh is sexually assaulted harassed abused um in your life it's going to have an effect on you as well but but directly it affects i think 55% of our population so even if you are a complete psychopath and a psychopath politician and all you care about is votes and power even then you would still think that you would listen to what is going on right now and you would go wow change needs to come I don't know why uh, they're they're digging their heels in and they're turning this, I don't want to say turning this molehill into a mountain because it is a huge issue, but it's also not an issue that they need to be fighting on. You have- Well, I think, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Tim. Um, I think it's the opposite. It's that they're they're trying to make a mountain- Into a molehill. like a molehill. Right. And, And I think that that's a really interesting- thing that has been occurring with our government, uh, who are a particularly conservative government and, and run by conservatives. They're mm. the people that knifed Malcolm Turnbull. And, and it's interesting because it's a very American tactic. It's something that Boris Johnson did very well in the UK. Donald Trump did very well. And it's to suggest and politicize an issue and always suggest that the other people are acting crazy or that they're crazy lefties for even bringing this up. And that, and it's curious because I know you've got some strong thoughts on Christian Porter suing the ABC. And I think there are a lot of parallels between that and, and what I was just saying is that he is now saying, well, you can't say the ABC were purely alleging that something had happened and they were reporting the facts around the incident. And now he's saying that it's, it, it shows lefty bias in the media. 
and, and I know you've got strong thoughts on that issue, Tim. Um, yeah, well, not necessarily the lefty biasness of the media, because I, I mean, there is, I, having worked in the media, there is definitely not a lefty bias in the media, I don't think. If anything, I would say the majority of the mainstream media sits just to the right. The ABC, mm. I would say, actually sits in the middle, which looks left. Um, mm. The Christian Porter situation, I think, is really fascinating. Um, firstly, I think Batuta wins the award for, I, like, I just love when Batuta absolutely uh, hit the nail on the head with things. They posted an article and it was um, average, um, average bloke absolutely stoked that his taxpayer money is now funding both sides of Christian Porter's defamation case. Yeah. Um, but I think what's really interesting or what will be interesting about that case is the fact that we could actually potentially see an OJ Simpson situation happen in Australia around Christian Porter. Because he's suing the ABC for defamation around the the rape story that he is involved in. Um, now, if if he's suing civilly, which he is because it's it's he's suing them, um, yeah. this means that it's not uh, beyond reasonable doubt. It's on the balance of probabilities, which means it's mm. a lower burden of proof. So it's very possible that the ABC, the, the most common defense for defamation or a very common defense for defamation is truth. So the ABC could actually try and prove that Christian Porter did in fact rape this woman and has a history of sexual assault and abuse. And because the burden of proof is lower, it's very possible that they could win like that and prove that he is a rapist. But then if there is an actual police inquiry, which I think that there's something going ahead, I'm not sure what, what's actually... Well, they've said there's not going to be at this point there's in not, time. There's, there's an internal inquiry within the Liberal Party being run by a, a guy who is very, very close and part of the same church as Scott Morrison. Right. And those Sounds like the perfect guy. Yeah, those findings won't be made public. We've okay. already been told that. <laughs> Wouldn't it be interesting if we had that case, though, where he was proven to be a rapist in a civil court, but then mm. it would be almost impossible to prove beyond reasonable doubt with somebody that's no longer alive and able to testify. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's a crazy situation, but it's also just, you know, I, I don't know why these people are, I don't know how this has fallen apart so quickly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know how the, the Liberal Party have fallen apart so quickly in real time in front of our eyes over over these issues, over uh, issues of real alleged abuse. Um, I, there's, a, there's a quote that I think about. Um, it was actually, it's by a comedian. I don't remember who it was. And it came from um, America after Sandy Hook. And uh, they said, if we don't, if gun reform didn't happen after Sandy Hook, it will never happen. Because mm. if you shoot a whole bunch of kids and you don't, then, and gun reform doesn't happen, then nothing is ever going to move that needle. It's just not possible because that's the most shocking possible thing. I think what's going to be really interesting, it will be so fascinating to see if this has a big impact on the next federal election. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to be so depressed because it's basically saying, like, if the if the politicians being rapists doesn't mm. sway you, then that's it. Then, no, like, if you are still, if you're a woman and you're voting liberal, I can't, I mean, I don't know if this is too broad. If you're a woman and you're supporting 
If you're a person, fuck being a woman, sorry. If you're a person and you're supporting literal rapists and people who support and hide rapists, then you'll never change. And then I think our political system is completely broken because we're purely voting on what we were told to by our parents when we were kids. I don't know if that just got too depressing. (laughs) Is that too depressing? I mean... (laughs) No, I, look, I think feet, uh, feet talk, and you've seen it recently in the West Australian election um, uh, with, with the Liberal Party only having two seats following that. Uh, it was an absolute... What's feet talk? What's feet talk? Well, well feet talk is in... P- the voters are already saying that the Liberal Party is on the nose. Mm-hmm. A- and I think that the, the continued allegations, and I think it's going to be very important, you know, I am biased in this situation uh, because I am extremely anti-liberal but i think it's going to be very important for there to be honest recapping of what an absolute shit show this government has been over the past couple of years leading into an election and i think the longer that that the longer that this drama and this stench hangs around i mean one thing you've got to say about scott morrison and his government is they have been up until this point particularly good at marketing and strategy yeah and i would suggest that they're going to hold off the election as long as possible and hope that hope that you know, look at how good our economic comeback from the giant coronavirus pandemic, coronavirus pandemic was. Although they've plunged us into trillions of dollars of debt, they're, they're just going to hope that the uh, three days since the last fuck up counter just keeps on exactly. going. They're going to be like, the "Yes, we made it to twelve. Call the election." <laughs> the Drake seventy-two hour theory kicks in, <laughs> and it'll all be okay. It's out of the news cycle. Yeah. Story number two. I brought a story to you about six months ago, and you brushed it off didn't care? Well, now it is back and it is affecting regular people's lives. The story that I brought was Kanye West digitally reanimating Kim Kardashian's dead father for her birthday. It's uh, in the title. It's in the It's, it's, in, in, the, it's in the opener, yeah. Um, and the implications that that can have on the deep fake world. If you don't know, and I know you know, Nick, a deep fake is uh, when somebody uses photos or videos of somebody, scans them, and then uses them to digitally animate that person into doing things that they never actually did. It's been an issue in the past for celebrities. Um, it's been a big issue. People have made deep fake porn videos of famous actresses. Um, but now that this is for the very first time that I've seen in the news, it has hit the world of normal people. So this is a headline that I found out of the BBC. Mother uses deep fake to frame cheerleading rivals. Have you seen? Mm. Have you seen this? No. You haven't seen this? Fill me in. What's happened? Rafaela Spone is a mother. She lives in Pennsylvania in the USA. Her daughter is a part of the Victory Vipers, which is a high school cheerleading team. And apparently her daughter, who has remained nameless for all of this, and so she should, um, has, uh, has had a falling out with some of her friends in the very competitive world of cheerleading. Um, and a rift has formed within the cheerleading team. And her mother, Miss Spone, has decided to take matters into her own hands and created deep fake photos and videos of these cheerleading rivals of the daughter's friends slash ex-friends drinking, smoking, and generally being naked, so sexualizing them in their high school students, which oh, she wow. then disseminated online to get them kicked off the team. Goodness. Nick Stewart, do you care now? Not so much. What? <laughs> Come on! I put so much work into you well, really can't don't, you just, What do you mean you don't care? You, well, because can't can't they just have an alibi? 
Like, wouldn't wouldn't they just go contact and then the, the kids would say, like, no, I was over at my friend Sandy's house at that point in time, or I was somewhere else. Or isn't there an easy, isn't there metadata that can be looked at to prove that this didn't come from the girls originally? Okay, so it's a good, it's an interesting question. Uh, yes, at this point, we still have technology that's able to tell if something is fake or not. Um, mm. However, the damage can already be done. Um, you know, we're talking about sexualizing like children, um, and, and the damage that that can do to somebody psychologically, it's beyond just saying, no, that's not actually me. And that's the same as, you know, I referenced before that they're doing this to celebrities and making porn out of celebrities who haven't been in porn, putting their faces on, um, adult, uh, performers. It's very easy for that celebrity, I don't, I don't know who it is, Shania Twain, to go, that's not actually me. But it's still damaging to that person, to their reputation mm. and to their psyche. So I would say the same for this. It, even though they have managed to crack this and go, yes, that's not actually them, it's still causing a huge amount of psychological trauma. And the technology is becoming more and more available. So is this woman going to be sent to jail? Is, she, is there criminal charges against her? What's going on with her? Because she should be. So this like is she's she's attempted to create child porn essentially. So Yeah. So this is the this is the interesting one. Um so she is being charged with harassment. But at this point, it's basically a new crime. Mm. Like this crime doesn't exist. To you can if you frame somebody for like for a crime then that's something but yeah, it's an it's a really interesting question. That well, we, it would be it would be fraud potentially as well because you're defrauding people and slander. I get. I mean, I'm sure they can find some ways to to smash this chick because she deserves it. That's mm. terrible. She's a terrible woman. In terms of the technology, while I think it's concerning, I have absolutely no control over it. Like I don't no. know. This is probably a way in which we are heading. There's already uh, D-list celebrities selling their likeness to sex doll companies for sex to, to create sex dolls in their image that then get sold to people. Yeah. But they're so selling think, it consensually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. In, in terms of deep fake porn, like obviously it's terrible and, and there's a lot of, look, I can't see any good other than having fun. I can't see any good applications for this technology, no. but how, how do you ban it, Tim? Well, I don't know. And, and what's really interesting is this is a, I mean, it's a weapon essentially that can be used against people. And we are, as technology advances, it is a weapon that we are putting into, ev- into the hands of every single person nearly on the planet. Hmm. And then the next question is, how do you control it internationally? Because what's to stop somebody from outsourcing? You, you don't like this person, you pay some company, and then it comes from Russia. So it's it's a really dangerous time. Are you saying- not only that, but I would be concerned of of China showing a video of you know Joe Biden just saying fuck China, fuck, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that that the political implications as well are obviously massive. I think the political implications are massive, but I think also it, uh, this type of thing could destabilize so much of the world as we know it. Can you imagine if you were in like we've seen this being used now for a rivalry over cheerleading? Think about it in terms of the business world. If you wanted to topple a CEO, if you had a rival company and you were like, I can't beat them in sales, I'm going to fuck them up by, by putting their CEO in a sex scandal or, mm. or, or, or something racist or, or whatever. I mean, you don't have to use your imagination. It's not a huge stretch. It's, I think it's really scary. 
Yeah, I just don't know how you police it. No, I unless don't. you want to go. Unless you want to go. Well, don't bring problems without solutions, Tim. I don't have. <laughs> what do you want me to say? There is no go solution. Live, go live in an ashram in Nimbin if you don't like technology, and just get off the grid. Don't do anything controversial. I will probably see you there because it sounds like a beautiful life. But yeah, I, I I think while it is scary, there is a lot of scary things with technology, and there's a lot of positives. Um, I you know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you can do about it, man. You can't. You are, you are genuinely concerned that someone is going to do this to you, though. Deep down, there's an inherent fear that you're worried it will occur with you. Actually, it's great because the amount of dumb shit that I've probably done that is on the internet, at least now I can be like, oh, someone deep faked me. That wasn't me. <laughs> I don't know that horse. <laughs> I've, never seen, I've never been to that far. <laughs> Uh, well, that's a good point as well. And now we're all wearing masks in public too. So our faces aren't even very open. So it's, it's curious. Yeah. I, look, I, I don't expect you to have an answer, but have you come around? Do you see that this is like, I think it's a scary thing. I never said it was good. I never no. said that this is positive technology. I just said that humans are bad. Technology is just a function mm. of humans. We create the good or the bad. Technology is just a different way for us to do it. Yeah, I think it, I think this is going to genuinely be a huge problem going forward as this technology becomes more and more accessible. There is a company at the moment that has a technology that's able to scan, and they're using um, they're looking for the light reflection from places in the video mm. and the light reflection on the eyes of the character in the video. Wow. At this point in time, that is the only way that they are able to tell if that was actually somebody or not. So just to give you an idea, like this is not, oh, yeah, that looks fake. It looks like, you know, Nemo from Pixar or something. Yeah. This stuff looks incredibly real. We are creating digital nuclear warheads and we are putting them on the internet for anyone to click send on. I think this is going to be the first of a whole lot of crazy shit that starts coming out down this road. It'll reach a saturation point, though, because it'll reach a point where we all just go, well, everything's fake. Mm. You know what I mean? Because so, once, once, it, once it overcomes that, we'll just go, well, you can't trust what you see or hear. Yeah. Which, I mean, a lot of people say anyway already. Yeah. I mean, they said, like, you look at the Sydney Morning Herald said that Jodie McKay wasn't at the uh, March for Justice. And then she was on her own Instagram, clearly at the March for Justice. So, I mean, if you're looking at it from journalistic or, or political, a journalistic or political perspective, I think that pre people pretty much just think everyone's full of shit anyway. But I think it's really damaging in this situation where it's hurting young people's lives. Yeah. At, on a personal level in a community. Yeah. That's not good. And you have to worry, worry about, I mean, I'm scared and it sounds like you're marginally nervous, but think about what impact this is going to have on. We've already seen the huge impact that social media has had on young people growing up with this. Can you imagine yeah. being a young person, being a teenager, incredibly nervous about the way that you're perceived, about your social standing within your school, and then also know that there are people, you know, like people get into rifts. Like you don't really have enemies as an adult very often. You just no, don't like someone's... kids, you do. You, you do. have full-blown enemies. And you have to see them every day. Can yeah. you imagine thinking, oh my God, that person could end, could ruin my life? Look, the further, the further we move away from the year 2000, the more I realize I can't imagine being a kid at all. No. 
Like the, the the sheer fact you have an answer to everything in your pocket. I mean, we didn't really have that. We didn't. We did, I still had to buy a porn magazine at one point. <laughs> you know, the world has yeah. changed dramatically in the past fifteen years, and it's only going to continue to. So, no, I can't. I cannot imagine. I saw I, I, anywhere the pressure that children are under. I, I saw a great comedian, and and uh, I I'll put it in the show notes somewhere because I don't remember his name. But he said, "Do you remember before the year two thousand, where if you needed to prove something, you had to say, I swear on my life.' Yeah, as compared to now, <laughs> it's like Google it. Like you can yeah. say anything. Google it." immediately no my dad was friends with arnold schwarzenegger and got a photo with him google it i swear on my life yeah, yeah. story number three job keeper ends on the 27th of march it's the great economic cliff that we have been fearing for the past six months although property values continue to rise uh the um federal reserve the reserve bank of australia won't reduce interest rates and it turns out a heap of companies who have claimed millions upon millions upon tens of millions of dollars in JobKeeper have actually turned giant profits. Here's a couple of just really quick stats for you, Tim. Yeah. More than 60 ASX businesses disclosed receiving JobKeeper and other handouts. They recorded combined profits of $8.6 billion over the past 18 months. They funneled more than $3.6 billion of that profit into dividends to investors uh, they paid back just $72 million and they paid out $20 million in bonuses to executives. Has this, while appearing on face value to have saved the Australian economy, actually been the biggest tax rort in the history of Australia and protected a bunch of billionaires through a pandemic? I mean, it's no surprise that as soon as the government says, we're going to create this handout scheme, that the people at the top are going to try to find some way to dip their slimy tentacles down into it and poison it for everybody. It's not a surprise at all. Was it, I don't want to get this wrong, but was it Harvey Norman? that was doing the JobKeeper thing and was this was one of these companies? Um, yeah, Harvey Norman has had one of their biggest years in history uh-huh. for profit and sales. And they claimed, some, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was about $3.8 million in yeah. JobKeeper. Don't quote me on that. Uh, and it's interesting though, this is where I find it curious. And it, look, I know I, I cop some stick for being a massive Liberal Party basher. But remember, this is the same government that never apologized for robo-debt, which led to suicides and people losing their houses. And that their comments on JobKeeper were, look, we were here to help everyone. We're not going to ask companies to pay it back. If they want to, they can. Yeah, it's an amazing double standard, isn't it? <laughs> so um, so with JobKeeper ending, um, are most, do you think, are most industries back up on their feet? Because I, from where I stand, the world is kind of coming back to normal. And this is, I'm living in Melbourne at the moment. So things look like it's probably ready. Is there a downside to this? Not really, not a giant downside, Tim, especially given one thing I will give credit to, despite the fact it was predominantly to safe liberal seats and marginal voting seats, this new travel scheme that the government has kicked off will probably help out one of the only industries that has still been really heavily affected. The rates of JobKeeper usage with companies has dropped off dramatically mm-hmm. in the past two months, especially since this year's kicked in. Uh, but the most heavily affected is still obviously tourism and, and, and restaurants. Hospitality and tourism are still uh, by far 
the most heavily affected because they haven't been able to have events for 12 months. And a lot of, you know, and I know a lot of cafe restaurant bar owners, a lot of them aren't, they don't have a lot of money in the bank. No, they're not know, prepared when, for it's. It's not like a bank or some giant conglomerate that's like yeah. we're ready for a one year thing at any point in time. If you're a local cafe, you're you're not week to week, but you're probably month to month. You probably Absolutely, only yeah. have a couple of months worth of saving up your sleeve, and mm. and, and even though uh, that job keeper has been there, there have still been other costs like rent still exists, and when people have um, made. Uh, deals with with their banks, they're still going to have to back pay. I think a huge amount of that money, which has to somehow come from somewhere. So yeah, it's kind of scary. You know what I think is really interesting about the whole job keeper experience that we've been through? I think it's fascinating that as soon as the majority, or not the majority, but a large number of Australians had to go on job keeper, which is essentially the amount that uh, was was welfare, the number went up. And now <laughs> it, it was like, as soon as, as soon as the government went, oh boy, our regular voting base is experiencing what we are putting people through. We better yeah. change that number. And then as soon as people started go back to, going back to work, time to change that number back down again. I know. It is, it's, it, it is classic. It is interesting because when you refer to job seeker and it did go up something like $5 a fortnight, I think they, they ended up raising it after oh. they doubled it and then yeah, brought yeah, it yeah. back down. Yeah. So they doubled it, brought it back down. They went, fuck you poor. And then they went, well, we'll tell you what, we'll give you a coffee a week. Um, <laughs> should that number go up, Tim? Does it now seem like job seeker after all the hardship we, we as a population have experienced, mm-hmm. you know, uh, something like 600,000 redundancies, does it now seem like people have a greater understanding for people on welfare and how hard it is to get a job? Yeah, I, I'm really surprised that it did just go back down. I think that the number should 100% go back up. Um, I think that if it was an election issue, and this is the interesting thing, is really at the end of the day, and and this is in stark contrast to the first story where we were talking about um, the, the the march. Um, at the end of the day, there are really only like four or five main election issues, and this tends not to be one of them. And I think that if you're the government, you just go, "This is something that we can kind of sweep under the rug. It's going to affect a small number of people." If it was an election issue, if it was number one, and people had to vote based on should people on the dole get an amount of money that they can comfortably be alive on. I think the majority of Australians are good-hearted people and would go, yes. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know if they would. And this, and because of this myth, and this is what I love, and I'll say these stats again mm-hmm. after this, but the greatest marketing ploy that the rich have ever pulled off and conservatives have ever pulled off is to convince everyday middle-class people that the poor are taking their money. Yeah. And I just want to repeat this stat. So is old mate, that is fighting every week with 24 other people to get one of the available jobs. It's one job to 25 people in Australia at the moment. And he's taking $274 of taxpayer money, of which equates, I believe, about 3% of the tax you pay goes into, into the dull welfare. Mm-hmm. Or is it one of the 60 ASX listed businesses that recorded combined profits of $8.6 billion who have all taken tens of millions of dollars of JobKeeper? Which one is the one that is more dangerous to your hip pocket, I wonder? Yeah, yeah. Which one is taking more out of the system and is exactly. and is contributing less? Yeah, I, I mean, it's so black and white. The one thing that I will say 
Um, just just to uh, play devil's advocate and and kind of show the other side of Please. the coin, and yeah. and I think it's good for us to do this sometimes because we have been venturing into some serious lefty territory. <laughs> Is um, my company? So I work for a digital marketing agency. Um, we have been hiring during this period of time. I have personally reached out to a number of people who I know have been affected by redundancies across the media industry. And none of the people that I reached out to uh, took me up on the offer of of applying. And we have had quite a small number of people um, applying. And, and we're a smaller agency, so that might come into play as well. We're not a, a huge, um, you know, Australia-wide name that everybody would know. But I was very I, – I think it's probably – there are pros to JobKeeper wrapping up. I'm not saying that it should uh, go down, but yeah, I think that there are a large number of people, and I've seen as well on Facebook in in and around Bendigo, a lot of people, a lot of businesses posting saying they need young people, they need people to apply for jobs, they need to get their businesses back up and running again, and they can't find employees. So I think that just as we're saying um, that you know some of these bigger businesses are rotting the system. I think that there are a lot of individuals who are probably going, yeah, I can live off that amount. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to take that and I'm going to have myself a, what's it been now, a year? I'm going to have a year's holiday. So it's very interesting. I, I know that you know about that as well. I've told you about some of the people oh, that absolutely. I've reached out to. Yeah. Are- absolutely. That Granted, a couple of those people, I think they probably, you know, that they were working in radio and they still want to try to live the dream and right. be a radio announcer as opposed to settling into the corporate world. But I do know, and and I know there's a lot of anecdotal evidence of people mm. uh, turning down jobs or struggling to get people into work. I'm not saying JobKeeper should continue, and I and and I don't think JobKeeper, uh, you know, I think it has served a purpose to an extent as well. I would like to see more accountability shown from our government. Uh, in trying to track down some of this money and probably getting some of it back, given the amount of debt we're in. I do think job seekers should be higher. I think that, like, while I understand that anecdotal evidence, I don't think on the overall, I don't know a lot of long-term people who've been involved in the welfare system who are happy or proud of themselves or feel good about the fact that they have been taking this money. You know, I have a couple of friends who have been long-term job seekers and that they uh, have severe mental health issues. A lot of them around the fact that they are on job seeker and seen as mooching and seen as, you know, there is a, it's not these, you know, it's not like Oliver twist where there's these grifters, um, hanging out under tunnels and bridges, taking our money so that they can sit around and do, do nefarious activities. For the most part, I think that being unemployed is it's been proven that it has severe mental health effects yeah. on these people. And it is a really important thing to try to integrate them back into the workforce. At the moment, unfortunately, in Australia, there's just not enough jobs. And and the a big problem at the moment we're seeing as well is overqualification. And this is anecdotal as well, but it, for example, my fiance is hiring at the moment and a number of the people who've applied for her job are actually far too qualified for it. And they either won't take the wage that is on offer or they're not the right candidate because they are too far down the path. Mm. So 
it's a weird situation at the moment. I think that we need to look for ways to create work, but uh, but also protect workers. And I don't know that we're doing a great job of either of those things at the moment. Yeah, at the end of the day, though, like uh, the economy creates the economy. Work creates work. So um, yeah. I think that if JobKeeper does end, well, it is ending, there are going to be a bunch of people who are going to uh, fight harder and start looking for jobs more. Uh, there are going to be a whole bunch of companies that are going to be able to move up to the next level, start operating at a higher level. People are going to start spending more money. And and as that cycle grows, it just it, it fuels itself. So hopefully, I mean, like it's not going to happen immediately, but hopefully in the next year, couple of years, things will start to grow back into a great place. Oh, abs- oh, it's un- undoubtedly, and we will go through a flourish in the next five years, you know, pending the end of this global pandemic and pending the end of that financial strain, people are going to go batshit crazy. Because if you look at it in cycles, that's what happens when you look back in history economically. Mm. Because people want to go out and party. They want to go to bars. They want to spend money. They want to go to events. They want to go to all the concerts they've missed out on in two years. They want to go out and and be a human being with other human beings. And that stimulates the economy in of itself because then you have restaurant owners who are doing well financially. So they want to buy houses. They want to build houses. They want to buy TVs. They want to go on overseas holidays. And all these things are going to happen. I'm really looking forward to them. It feels like a very dark tunnel at the moment, but the world will brighten up as soon as we get this goddamn vaccines going. Yeah, and so long as we don't all die of blood clots. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> I don't think that we will. I don't want to put that out into the world. All right. Let's ra- <laughs> anti-vaxxer Tim Rubin sparking up again with what his is it? crazy it's like anti-vaxxer 0.001% of people have had blood clot problems or something. They've yeah, disseminated into hundreds of millions of people already. Nick Picks! There's a new social media app, and I invited you along oh, to yeah. it, Tim. I was wondering if you've had a play on it. I've only, like, I've only had a little play. It's called Clubhouse. Now, you do need an invite. To, it's to join, exclusive. Which I think is, it's, it's part of the marketing. Um, Have you listened? So, if you if you haven't seen Clubhouse before, it's like uh, it's like a live podcast. So it's an audio live stream, and yeah. it can't be recorded. I mean, it could if you put it on speakerphone and put it next to a recording guess, device. Yeah. But but it, but it does feature interaction. So you can enter the room. You can put your hand up. You can ask questions. So it's sort of like. This sounds negative, but it's like being in a university lecture full of mature age students. Have you listened to, uh, I actually really appreciate that you invited me because I've heard a lot of people talking about it and I was keen for an invite. Have you actually, Mm. I've like dropped into some rooms, but only sporadically. I've never like found something that I'm really interested in. Have you listened to a full one or engaged? I've had, I have uh, a friend of mine's gotten really heavy into it. Uh, he's a listener of the podcast. Shout out to you, Cam. Uh, he was one of the first people to invite me. He's already in like a little global community where he's already, uh, he's been spending like 16 hours a day on it. Wow. And he's already now made a bunch of contacts with people over in the US and the UK, and they communicate quite regularly as a social group. Uh, basically a lot wow. of they're, they're a lot of them are comedians and they just jump on they'll work on their material together and stuff like that and it's basically just a social watch house i i've found that part okay pretty good what i've found really interesting is two i've been in uh which one was explaining nfts uh which are those non-fungible transfers uh which is now people can buy videos i don't fully and, get and gifts would. and images yeah, yeah i, I don't it's, understand it's odd. 
but it was David Spade, another comedian, Tim Dillon, and then um, Logan Paul talking about it wow. in the room. Okay. And, uh, and Logan Paul actually came off semi-intelligent, which he's the YouTuber who's always in trouble for doing dumb shit. Um, he, filmed yeah, a Japanese, I, he filmed a dead body in a suicide yeah, forest. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It was terrible. And now he tries to fight a bunch of people. Um, he actually came across as you saw a very different side to him, which was interesting because it's a very personal one. Yeah. And then the other one I was in, which you would have loved, Tim, was a room uh, that went on for about three and a half hours. And it was the actor Malcolm McDowell talking about his career and his life and him being involved in the movies. And what made it really interesting was a lot of the people in the chat room were uh, makeup artists and gaffs oh. and set designers who had worked on movies with him. And they would jump on and say, oh, I remember from this movie when we did this or remember you cool. said this to me. And yeah, it was actually really lovely to hear him just speaking off the cuff and taking Q and A questions. I'll have to. I'll have to listen to another one again. Thanks so much for in- inviting me into it. I've now got three invites. So if anybody's really interested in getting into Clubhouse, um, hit me up and I'll give you one of them. I guess. Yeah, I've been an invite whore, so they've given they give me like five a day now. So for, yeah, but hit us up via the Facebook chat group, and we'll we'll add you in for sure. We might even start an off air. Uh, yeah, we could, one. At, we could do one. We could do one in Clubhouse. Q&A. Yeah. That's a good idea. Uh, my Nick pick for the week is, oh, saw a great movie, Judas and the Black Messiah. I know that you're not a big uh, cinema person. It mm. is, uh, it's based on a true story. It's the start of the Black Panther movie and uh, movement in like the 70s in the United States. This movie is just the Oscar nominations just came out the other day, uh, maybe yesterday actually, and it's been nominated for Best Film, I think Best Actress, uh, oh, wow. Actor, um, it's been nominated for a whole bunch. It's already broken records. This movie hits hard. It's no- intense. It is intense. Oh, it, it's so intense and it's so rattling to know that this was happening. Like our parents were walking around doing stuff. Yeah, it was the 60s, wasn't it? It was mainly the 60s when the Black Panther movement really hit its peak. Maybe 60s. And I, was, yeah, maybe 60s, 70s, but like it's not yeah, that long ago. Were, there was the, no, no, not at all. Um, no, it's weird to think segregation was like a thing that our parents had in their lifetime, not so much in Australia. Yeah. Um, only if you're South African. The, uh, the acting in this movie, phenomenal. I think it's going to do really well at the Oscars. Uh, Nick, you would like, you'd love it. it. This movie hits really hard. Go check it out. Where is it? Do, is it in cinemas or is it on Netflix? Or It's in cinemas, which, okay, cool. which is always more fun. It's nice to go to the movie, <laughs> out of the house. Okay. Um, awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, if you want to get involved and talk about some of these topics, we have a Facebook group. We mispronounce the name of it all the time. It is called the Off Air Podcast Community. We talk about the topics throughout the week. And then um, if you write something um, that catches our eye, then we include it in the podcast and we kind of sometimes break it down. Uh, also, if you want to make our day, give us a couple of stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on. Um, we'll see it and you'll put a sp- smile on Nick and my face. Catch- we need a name for people. All the, all, the, all the podcasts have names for people. What are we going to call people? You say off airers sometimes. I don't mind that. Okay. Yeah. Off airers. We're... We can have this conversation not in the. Po- no, no. Brainstorm now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do. Go, give me something. Uh, the the commu- off. What's the acronym That's of? That's terrible. Wherever you're going for, with that is. 
off air. Ofka. The OFCs. OFCs? OFCs? Oh, no, no, oh, you've, got, oh. you've missed podcasts. It's off air podcast community. The OPCAs. Can we go Legends? Is that all right? I feel like... I feel like someone probably already has that. Let's go off air. Okay, we'll work on this. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great week. Bye. You've been listening to Off Air. Remember to like and subscribe. People are entitled to their sexual proclivities.